Welcome everyone to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf, but you can call me Mr. Turner. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, folks. Don't call me anything at all. This is my esteemed colleague with me, as always, um, is... Mushu. I, I was going to say Anthony, but yeah, you always jump the gun and, and, and introduce yourself. Go yeah, ahead. I'm yes. the esteemed colleague. You're, you must be the other guy. So just the face of the show, but my, <laughs> oh my gosh, no wonder the show's so ugly. Jeez. Uh, so and if you want to see our faces, honestly, you can see them every Friday on the live stream. On the live stream at 8 30 PM Central. Check it out. Josh Turner PRT Podcast.com. Josh Turner PRT Podcast.com. That's how you get a hold of me. That's how you give me these stories. Or you can hit me up on Messenger if we're friends on Facebook. How to be friends on Facebook? Tell me you like the show and that you're you're a fan that, or a listener. Okay. That way I know to approve your friend requests because I get tons of friend requests and I can't approve them because I don't know who you are. Um, but let me know. Hey, I'm somebody. I'm your friend. I'm your I'm your pal. I like your show. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Josh Turner 940. Go become friends with me on Instagram. Uh, we have a conference we're going to do Labor Day weekend. It's pretty much been confirmed we're going to do it Labor Day weekend in, in, in and around the Fort Worth area. Well, DFW area. We're not 100% sure. But uh, it is going to happen. Tickets are going to go on sale soon. So be looking for that Labor Day weekend. It's going to go on all weekend. It's going to be Dogman Cryptid Conference. We're going to have over 20 speakers. It's going to be big, really big, folks. I'm talking huge. Uh, we are no longer on any of those other platforms. We're doing YouTube. That's where we're at. So come to YouTube and be here and be happy. Um, we are not going on those other uh, platforms until we get monetized correctly. And so it does cost money to run the show. We do appreciate people joining Patreon. Uh, we do appreciate donations, uh, but it's not expected. We just appreciate it. Uh, for the work that we do and you can hit us up on the live stream and you can donate that way or through patreon you join patreon we didn't say this on the last episode but if you join patreon you get a 20 dollar tier you get automatic swag bag we send it to you if you're a 10 dollar tier after three months and you get a swag bag so it definitely pays to be a 20 dollar tier uh patreon and once we get enough patreon members we're gonna start dropping episodes on that so without further ado we are going to start the show this one is a very interesting um, it was my friend Willie who actually, he's deceased, but he actually turned me on to this story. And I recently dived, uh, did a deep dive into it and started asking some questions and interviewed a couple of people that were involved in it. Um, I had not been able to get a hold of them because they were not on Facebook for like two years. Uh, and then finally I was able to reach out to them and they checked their messenger and then, Hey, we, we talked. So uh, remember when we drop this episode, we're going to put it on the Facebook group. And if you, um, go into the official link and you leave a comment, you might, uh, win a book, an yeah, autograph book. That's another reason to join our Facebook groups. Yep. Paranormal Roundtable group and Paranormal Lounge. Um, check out our friends from Quad Coalition of Sciences and the International Dogman Project and in Humanoids with Barton Nunley. Those are the groups I'm ad I'm in admin in a bunch of groups. Just join those. Dogman Werewolf Discussion. Uh, check those out. Speaking of Dogman and Werewolves, that's where we're at today. Uh, so what we got going on here, this happened outside of Maynard. Well, I'm not going to give you a, a location. People go out there and get in trouble, mess around, because that does happen. Um, it's in between Maynard and Smithville, I'll say that, in the air, in that general area. Okay. Um, it happened out in the country, way out in the sticks, in an area where... 
um, let's just say that there's like a lot of people who aren't really living their best lives. They're doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. And this place where these people were living was kind of that place. Now, this guy's name is Dustin. Um, his, his friend was Victor and they had a crazy thing happen to him. So they lived in a trailer out there and their, their closest neighbors were basically meth dealers. So it wasn't like they weren't, they weren't really living their best life. They were just trying to make it and they had to drive into town to try to work. And the other one was doing like day labor and stuff. And so anyway, Dustin's girlfriend, uh, Victor's girlfriend had moved in with him and there were there were three people and a little little child. She had a child from a previous marriage and a little boy, and um, so he uh, had special needs. He was a special needs child. Poor kid. He had a lot of problems. Um, but uh, the people that lived there before them, they knew them, and they could not pay their rent. So they talked to the landlord, and the landlord said, "Okay, if you got somebody that can move in and pay the rent for the to the trailer, that's fine." So they moved out. They stayed friends with them. They moved into town. Now, the people that lived there before them and the place that sat vacant for several months after that, they were bad. Bad in a way that is like most people were, are not going to do what they were doing. And I'll get into that. Uh, what happened was the, 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 the second night that they were there, they heard something, someone going around the trailer knocking on the windows. Now, you would think, okay. Somebody's out there pl pranking, playing around. Their closest neighbor was one and a half miles away at that time. This was about 20, 25 years ago. Um, so when you're thinking in terms of, you know, somebody knocking on your window, it's probably not your neighbor. It's, it's probably a prowler or somebody, right? Well, the problem is the trailer was so high up that the, that the steps were about four feet so to get to the window, this person would have had had to have been like seven foot tall, seven and a half foot tall, whatever. Um, and then they would have had to reach because the, the thing was high up and it was built on like a slope. And so on one side, the trailer was kind of unbalanced, you know, and uh, where the, the windows were, seven, eight foot tall person stretching their arms. Let's put it that way. So it unnerved them. And they went out and they looked and they had flashlights and they didn't see anything. And they were like, what the heck is going on here? This is crazy. Uh, the third night, they were sitting outside with some friends that had dropped by. And they were kind of having like a little, I guess, I guess what you would call an impromptu housewarming party. And they were all outside drinking some beer. And they were, uh, they had a, a, fresh, a fish fry going on and they were out in the, in the yard, whatever. And um, the, the, the fryer like exploded. Like, you know, and it was crazy. Like it ended up spewing grease everywhere and it was just a freaky thing. Nobody got hurt. But uh, one of the, the the pieces of the fryer hit one of the people's cars and, and broke the the, the winch, window, driver's side window, and then put a dent in the car. And when it happened, they heard a loud pitched, uh, like whooping, screaming sound, which they couldn't explain. And they thought, dude, this there's some weird stuff going on here. Well, the the like later on in the week, uh, Vic's girlfriend ends up slamming her hand in the door as their kid, as her little boy, is kicking and screaming over a toy that he had dropped. And so she had to go to the emergency room and she almost lost her middle finger. So there was all this weird stuff that was happening, and then uh, Dustin cut his hand really bad. And he couldn't get it to stop bleeding, so then he had to go to the emergency room And when he was cutting some chicken. 
So there was all this stuff going on, you know, and it wasn't a, a bad spot. You know, he said it was a pretty decent place and it had, you know, a nice little uh, clearing and then there were some trees around it, you know. And so he's like, it wasn't bad at all. And But then he said that that uh, one day he was just sitting there in the living room and he hears this loud yep, 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 like yapping. And he looks out and there's like five dogs literally killing his his roommate's dog, like just killing it, these stray dogs. So he goes out there with with his 410, which is all he had, and he shot at one of the dogs. He shot him point blank, uh, this hound, this uh, mutt hound looking dog, and the other dogs uh, just kind of stopped, took notice of him, and then literally ran up the steps trying to come at him. So he closed the door. He couldn't save uh, the dog. Uh, one of the other dogs that was there, there were, they had two dogs, managed to run inside the house with him, and the dogs were trying to get in and, and, and attack that dog. He said he'd never seen anything so crazy in his life. It was insane. And they they killed that dog and then they tore it up and like took off with it. You know, like it, it was he said it was a horrific scene. And then he said one day, um, his neighbor came and said, Hey, you know, we had some issues with these pack of stray dogs. Um, one of them is really big and it looks unworldly. And and he's like, what do you mean? He goes, it's huge and it's black. He goes, yeah, I had I didn't see that one, you know. He said, and it was running through our yard, and it was carrying a sheep's head in its mouth. It had killed one of the neighbors down the road. Sheep, they had some sheep out there, and he said that the, the bunch of smaller dogs running behind it. And so he said, have you seen it? And he says, I think I saw that pack of dogs. They killed my, one of my neighbor, one of my uh, roommates' dogs. And so they had taken to keeping Buddy, the other dog was a beagle, they kept it in the house. Well, one day, uh, Buddy started going crazy, just acting fool and wouldn't, was, wouldn't stop barking and whining. And, and they would let him out to use the bathroom. And it was like he had to use the bathroom, but he wouldn't go outside. So the little boy uh, opens the door to let Buddy go outside. And standing there, which according to Victor, it was eye level with him was this wolf-like creature that was standing on two legs, and he said that he could see it right into its eyes. It didn't have glowing eyes or anything like that. He just said it had, it looked very human-like, but it was a werewolf. And so he slams the door, and his girlfriend was like, what the heck was that? And so they freak out, and then they told uh, Dustin about it. Well, of course, Dustin tells me, um, this, you know, this crazy story, he says, I didn't believe it. I thought, dude, they're probably out there, you know, they like to smoke, you know, not, not meth, anything like that, but he goes, they like to imbibe of THC, you know? Yeah. And he was like, not my thing. You know, he drinks, I drink every now and then, but I wouldn't do that. And he goes, I thought maybe they were smoking. And then he, he said, but you know, he, and then his friend was like, dude, when do you smoke pot and see an eight foot tall werewolf? You know, like it's nobody does that. Yeah. yeah. He goes, this is not that kind of, you know? And so Victor was very uh, adamant, um, and when I spoke to him, he was very adamant that they were not smoking anything. He's like, I hadn't had any in a while. I was broke as heck, and I was working at Sonic, or I think he said he was working at Sonic or McDonald's or something. Uh, he said I was working a fast food job. And he said that, uh, he goes, there was no, we weren't doing anything like that, you know? And he said, uh, and he goes, I wouldn't lie to you, you know? He goes, I'm being very honest. And But his little boy Later on, he had to go to therapy, right? Well, the little boy drew a picture of the man. He kept calling it the man, the man. And the, the, the picture that he drew was of a man standing in the yard holding his stomach. And when they asked him for more details, he said that the man had something coming out of his stomach. So it was like from what they saw of the picture 
and of what the little boy drew, who's now an adult. Um, he was, he's autistic. He was autistic. Um, and he's, he's, but he's functioning. He's highly functioning autistic. Um, but he said that, that they said that he was, it was like a man who had been eviscerated and he was holding in his guts. And I'm not, you know, trying to be too graphic here, but this is a pretty weird story. And so this kid, when he was a child, um, had this this episode, you know, he would wake up in the middle of the night and and he would see this man and it was like this dead guy that he would that was just stalking him. And every time he would see the man, the man would say, "Help me, help me, help me." And so there's nothing he could do. And then one day when they were in the backyard, uh there was a clump of, of trees in the in the in the backyard and one of the trees was like falling over looking like it was like it looked like a from a horror movie, you know? So they went out there and the little boy was pointing to the tree and said, the man, the man. So they walked over there to where the little boy was saying the man was standing. When they walked over there, they saw what looked like giant dog tracks that were very big. And what Vic and this other guy thought was that they were um, like um, wolf-like, you know, like paw prints and that they were bipedal. And the little boy kept saying, the man, the man. So then they asked him about the man. And the guy said that the man told him that he, at one time he was a, a normal man and that he got bit by a very large dog. And when this large dog uh, tried to kill and eat him, but he was rescued by another dog. And that dog made him walk on two legs, but look like a dog. Does that make sense? Like, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So then this whole story, this kid tells this story, right? And the man said, now he's dead, but he needs help because he's trapped. He cannot leave. And so he's wanting to go home. And so the man keeps telling him, can you pray? Can you help me? Can you help me? Please pray. Help me. So this kid did what he was told. Every night he would say, he would say his prayers and he would say, please help the man. And they were just like, finally, his mother's like, you need to stop with this, the man. There is no man. You're making this stuff up and you're scaring people because he had a little cousin that she would babysit because that's what the, the the girlfriend did was babysit two other kids. And she he would tell the story to these kids and you scare the crap out of these kids. Kids don't want to be out there. She's not going to make any money. So she's like, look, you need to stop talking to your little cousins about the man. There is no man. So one day, Dustin was laying in his room. And he had one of those sliding doors. Um, I guess he had the main bedroom. And he said it started to open. And he said there was this grayish fur and these weird-looking nails that looked like they had blood on them or something. He said that it was weird-looking. And it was slowly pushing the door open. So he jumps up and he runs in the other room and he screams, Victor, Victor. And so his friend Victor comes and they all these, like I said, all they had was a 410. So they ran in there and they looked. There was nothing in there. They looked through the whole house. There was nothing. And the little boy starts screaming and going crazy again and saying, the man, the man, the man, there's this man, you know, and his wife, his wife or his, his, which is now his wife, but his girlfriend was at the time, uh, Victor's girlfriend got very aggravated and said, well, you know, I'm done with this crap, you know, whatever. So he ended up going into this psychotherapy to get help, whatever. He was having night terrors. He was waking up screaming that this giant wolf was trying to eat him and was chasing him everywhere. Dustin didn't know what to make of any of this. When he talked to people that lived there before, they did have some issues there. Um, but they were also doing like 
drugs and drinking all the time. So they weren't the most reliable source for what was going on there. But they said the people that lived there before, when they moved in, had left multiple satanic artifacts, not the least of which was some sort of like a book of spells of conjuring and casting and things like that. And they found a Ouija board. And they also, somebody with the carpet had been ripped up and there was candle wax, black candle wax, and there was a pentagram. But all that got cleaned and taken out and they, you know, they fixed it up enough to where they could live in it. And so they were like, yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff that had gone on there, obviously. And they felt like there was uh, a demonic infestation there. Now, when Dustin and Victor took over the the trailer, they felt the heaviness all the time. And nobody ever wanted to be alone in this place. The rent was dirt cheap and the property looked nice enough, you know. Um, but the, the the place just obviously had like an ominous feel to it. And they burned their trash. So one day, uh, he was in the backyard. This is Dustin. And he was telling me that I was I was wearing a hoodie, you know, and I was burning some trash. And he goes, and I, I had my hoodie pulled up over my face. You know, you can kind of, you get tunnel vision when you pull those hoodies. We, we have them ourselves. And so Dustin had a hoodie um, and he was sitting there. He goes, I was burning trash. And I saw something in the corner of my eye. And he goes, and I thought, so I had to turn my head all the way to see what it was. And I thought I saw something low crawling uh, coming from the other side. So I turned my head back the other way. And then I saw it again you know, in the corner of my eye. So I pulled my hoodie back to get a better you know, view. And he said, that's when I saw it right to my left. I saw this thing standing there that looked like a very tall, blackish gray looking werewolf. He said it was just like a werewolf. Like you, if you ask somebody to give you an artist rendition of a werewolf, he goes, that's what it would look like. It would look like what I saw. It looked like a eight foot tall werewolf looking creature. And he said, I mean, the backward legs, everything. And he said it was just standing there and, and it was like he looked at this thing. He shined the light on it. And one of the notable features of this creature was that it had a huge scar up the, up its belly that looked like it had been cut open. And he thought, that is weird. So he runs back inside. The thing doesn't pursue him or go after him or anything like that. When he gets inside the house, he's, he locks the doors. And he's freaking out and he's frantic. And it's just him and his, and, his, and his roommate's girlfriend there that night. The little boy was at his grandparents and it was just him and her. And she's freaking out and she's calling her uh, boyfriend who's working in town. And she's like, we just saw this crazy thing. Dustin's freaking out. And, and he said, I'm not going to lie. He goes, I was crying. I was freaking out. Um, they didn't see it come up to the window that night or anything like that. But he said that, you know, a couple weeks later, like nothing went on. He was like, there's these lulls, you know, like I lived in a haunted house. I know it's weird. It's like, there'll be these lulls, you know, he said like two weeks go by and nothing. Everything's good. It's like, everything's fine, you know? And he said there again, and we were outside and we were barbecuing. We had some friends over and he said that one of the girls went inside to use the bathroom and she screams and they hear her screaming. She runs out and she says on the other side of the trailer, as she was walking by one of the bedrooms, she saw this, what looked like a wolf-like, wolf-like man, as she described it, looking in the window. And she thought maybe it was a guy with a mask on, but there again, that side of the trailer, it was up on blocks real high. It would have been about eight feet tall. Yeah, he wouldn't reach. Yeah. So she screams and freaks out, and she's like screaming to her, her boyfriend. His name is Brian. Um, did not speak to him, but I got a statement from him. His story... 
they got in the car and they took off. As they were driving down the gravel road to get back to the main county road, they see this thing running along a barbed wire fence that looked like a gray werewolf, and it was running really fast. And and it was, but it wasn't on the road with them. And there was a ditch there in between them and the fence, and then it was on the other side of the fence. He said that it was running so fast. He said at one point he almost lost control of his car. He had a, he had a Camaro. And he said, I was, I was going around the curves and I was hauling butt. You know, he goes, and I was moving. I was going about 60. And this thing was keeping up with me. And then eventually it just veered off. Well, the neighbors down the road had, to- had come by one, like, like right after that. Like they had come by one weekend, um, the weekend after that incident. Um, and they said that two of their cattle had been uh, basically decapitated. And so they asked him if, they, if they'd seen any predators or anything. They found some weird tracks. They thought that they were some sort of wolf-like tracks, but there were no wolves in that area had, that had been reported for a long, long time. Um, and so these guys were basically going to go out and try to hunt this thing, and they asked him if they wanted to tag along. Well, they declined. They thought uh, about telling them about what they had seen and what had been happening, what had been going on on the property, but then they thought better of it. They thought these people aren't going to believe us. They're going to think we're crazy. Um, but it added to what they were dealing with. Now there was another, uh, uh incident that happened involving his girlfriend, um, v- Victor's girlfriend, where she woke up in the middle of the night to what looked like a black shadowy figure, but it had the, the visage of a female. And she said that when she looked into it, it was like a black shadowy looking thing, but she could make out uh, eyes and a nose and a mouth, you know, and she said that it looked like a quintessential witch, you know. And so it kind of made me wonder at that point, I started kind of asking questions. I was like, do you guys think that maybe what you were seeing were like demonic manifestations of like, maybe they were creating like caricatures, you know, like. Whatever this evil was, was like an evil intelligence that was creating something that you'd be afraid of. And she's like, yeah, but if it was going to make manifest something that I was afraid of, it would have been like a giant spider, you know, or, or you know, something like that. She goes, something I wasn't. place or actual fears, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And she said she had a, a really uh, a terrifying fear of clowns and they never once saw clowns or anything like that. And she, but she said that her son was freaking her out with this waking her up every day, talking about the man, the man, and that one day the man was was laying under her uh, her bed, and the little girl that she babysat, uh, she came in there screaming that they had seen the man. At that point, she'd had enough. She's like, "I'm done with this crap with this kid," you know. But when they asked the little girl to describe the man. Um, she just, she described the man as a giant werewolf, whereas the little boy never saw the man as a werewolf. He only saw it as a man. Now, you remember when, when they opened the door and Victor saw the werewolf thing standing there? Yeah. The little boy drew a picture of what he saw, which was a really tall man holding his stomach. He never saw uh, this werewolf. And when he was being chased in his dreams, in his night terrors, what he would describe was a black wolf with red eyes. He never described it standing on its hind legs. He never, uh, saw a werewolf. It was always this man and he saw it as a man. Um, and so it was really weird. Uh, and he would say that he would stand out there by the old tree 
Well, close to the old tree was where uh, Dustin saw the werewolf-looking creature. So I don't know what to, what to make of that. I don't know if that's some sort of like uh, fear that the child had, you know, of like a ghost or something. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. I couldn't really place my I couldn't really place my finger on what was going on with that. Um, but if I had to hazard a guess, something happened. Okay, on that property or around that property, um, and maybe the people that lived there before, not the ones right before them, but that were their friends that they were still friends with, but the ones before that, had conjured something and it opened a doorway to whatever had happened there. And this child was sensitive and maybe it was coming and trying to get energy from him or maybe beseeching him, asking for help, you know. I, I don't know. But he saw it as a man that was in distress, that was bleeding. Um, and he also had a dream periodically of this wolf-like creature that would catch up to him when he was running, but that he then he would kind of like be watching this scene where this man, this uh, wolf was like, you know, eating him. And that's the the message that I got from him that he sent me through email. What's crazy, though, when you go back and you, you know, listen to this uh, story, um, he doesn't remember a lot from that period. Most of it comes from his parents and, and from Dustin, who he calls his uncle, um, not by blood, but he calls him his uncle. But he said that Uncle Dustin and his parents told him a lot of what was going on, but he specifically remembers the dreams and seeing the man. And he remembers seeing this black wolf attacking the man in his dreams. And what's even weirder, like, uh, I don't know if you guys, when you guys were doing the story, uh, one of the things I left out of, of last week's episode when we were talking about the unwelcome uh, passengers, the the story about the guy from Carol, South Carolina, or he was driving through South Carolina to see his brother. Um, one of the things that happened was when he was driving out of that truck stop, and he saw that thing in the back of his or, or get in the back seat of his vehicle. Um, he felt like when it disappeared, he kind of like woke up and all he saw was like a panther like tail. Well, something very similar happened to Dustin in this in this story because he was driving back from work one one night and he was really tired and he started to veer off the road and he opened his eyes and he saw what he thought looked like a black panther walking on its hind legs, and all he saw was like the tail. Like, like whipping yeah, out behind it, and then it run off into the the brush. And he was like, whoa, did I just see that? And he swerved. And it was about three or four miles from his house. Not a wolf-like creature at all, a black panther-like creature on two legs. So, you know, there was a lot of weird stuff going on there. Now, he did talk to some neighbors down the road who he said they lived, I think he said they lived about six or seven miles away and they he, they told them that they had once seen a goat-like creature on its hind legs sitting up in a tree, um, but that that had happened back in the 80s when they were kids, and there were these two brothers that that, that owned that place, um, and they were just like, they started, like, it started, like, snarling at them, and their older brother, who had died of cancer, he threw a rock at it and hit it upside the head, like in like where its horn was. And so it jumped down and he said, and when it jumped down, it was like, boom, you know, and they said that it was so heavy, they didn't realize how big it was. And when it jumped down, it kind of shook the ground and then it began running behind them. And so they took off running, but they were in a field 
that was inhabited by two very large and mean bulls. The bulls got along for the most part because they were brothers. They had, they had been together, you know, for a long, long time. And so they weren't really antagonistic toward each other, but they were very territorial. And the reason that they were going to that tree is because they were trying to get fruit from it. And I don't remember what type of tree they said it was, but that this goat-like creature was up in that tree and that these two bulls like converged toward this goat-like creature. And when they looked back, the goat man thing was gone. Like it just evaporated, it was gone. So, and I don't remember what it was. It was like a pear tree or something. I don't remember but I just remember them run. They said there were three brothers and they ran and, and, and they, they themselves had been around those bulls their whole lives. So they weren't in any danger. But if you, they didn't know you and you were in that enclosure, you'd be in big trouble. And at first they thought it was a man wearing a mask, which was really weird. Um, when you stop and you look at these uh, stories, there's a lot going on in that area. Now, I've known that for a long time because we've done stories on Mainer. Um, I believe even in one of Linda Godfrey's books, she talks about a dogman encounter that someone had had along the highway uh, right outside of Maynard. And then we've had uh, people come on the show like Loki and Chief who've talked about Goatman and Goatman being one of the, the creatures that people see in and around Maynard. Now, we've done a lot of work on doing security around Maynard. And, of course, we found that it, it is a very strange uh, area where people have – had um, ghost encounters. We've had people that worked on the job sites where we've been out there and they've told us that weird stuff has happened. Like um, when we were doing security out there, I know D had some weird stuff happen where he heard doors opening and closing and he thought that he heard uh, what sounded like hooves or something running through the parking lot, but he couldn't see anything. So when you take all these stories into account, you know, it is, it is a very weird area. But uh, this this area was like would be like in between there and like I said the, the town of Smithville, but out in the country, um, outside of Bastrop, that area is a lot of weird stuff. <clears throat> the Lost Pines, Bigfoot stories out of that area. But uh, this 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 area where, where they were at, it seemed almost like they were having um, a demonic infestation that could have been caused, like I said, by somebody playing with witchcraft and maybe opened some doorways. That they should not have been, not should not have been opened. Um, I asked, you know, these guys what they thought. They're each of them in their individual thoughts on what this thing was, and what they thought this man was that the, that the, the boy was seeing, and uh, they each had something different. I'll start with Dustin. Dustin believed that it was an actual werewolf, and that somehow. Um, this thing, this guy had been turned into some kind of creature against his will and that he was subsequently killed by something or someone, or he died. Um, I don't know. I mean, what are y'all's thoughts on this thing? I mean, I'll start with you, Anthony. I mean, what are you? I think it's possible that that black, uh, wolf that was chasing the, the little boy in his dreams was like a hellhound that was conjured by by the satanic practices of the uh, previous tenants and um it attacked a man well i mean like what if turned him into a werewolf i mean what if that's like one way that someone is turned into one of these creatures like, like i don't know that they're attacked either physically or spiritually both i don't know how it works by some kind of uh like demonic hellhound creature and 
their their body dies, but their spirit gets trapped Ugh. into some kind of like twisted form of like a man and and a dog, or a, a man and a wolf, or something like that. So this werewolf is a werewolf, but it's like a spiritual werewolf. Like, is that what you're saying? I don't know. I'm not trying to. It's a it's the closest thing I could. It's the closest way I could summarize it. Yeah. My thoughts are a bit different. I mean, it's along the same kind of idea, but what if it's instead of a a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, it's a a demon in wolf's clothing, basically, where it's what they did was basically summon something and then that something took the form of whatever creature that naturally inhabits the forest, but it took the most apex uh, creature and it took that. So what the kids saw was the actual demon was this, this demonic man who is very obviously terrifying looking and what it poses as what everybody else sees it as is this werewolf. Yeah, because the kid never saw that as a, he just saw a man. Mm-hmm. He just kept talking about a bloody man. And what was I- interesting too was that it would be inside the house if if the story of of the of the closet being pushed open and Dustin saw that, you know. And I remember back when Willie was alive. You guys probably remember this too. Willie talked about this story, but we never got to get the the full details of yeah. that. Um, and then when we were all standing around at Menlo, and he was talking about Dustin's story. And we never did get to get the meat and potatoes of it. And it took me a while. And then getting a hold of <clears throat> Victor, which is, um, which was really hard because I think he's living out in Marble Falls now. But what's crazy is that him and his girlfriend, now that they've li- they're, they're living out in Marble Falls, when they were driving from Lago Vista <laughs> to Marble Falls, they saw a Bigfoot which we've actually covered a story about a, a man and his son seeing one near Turkey Creek. Um, they just saw it on the side of the road, and they were like, dude, did we just see a Sasquatch? That that looked like a Sasquatch. That's not really that rare. That area is full of Sasquatch reports. But um, they also – she to- she talked about her grandfather who lived on the other side of Bastrop, on the other side of the Lost Pines, in between Elgin and Bastrop, actually having seen a Sasquatch one time back in 1976 and also having seen a black panther in those piney woods which subsequently have been burned down they burned in what 2010 mm, i thought it was maybe a couple of years later than that 12 maybe probably they're still pretty thickly wooded there i mean they're growing back them. obviously but i mean yeah, it's slowly not, it's going to take more than our yeah, lifetime I was gonna, to go back it's not going to be anytime soon that they're going to look like they did there was but. a lot more bigfoot reports out there than there are now um, but what's crazy though is is what Dustin told me kind of is a little bit different than what uh, Victor told me. Victor told me that what he believed it was was just a demon. He said that it was just a trickster spirit that was trying to deceive them all. And at the time, he was not Christian, but since then, he's become a non-denominational Christian. But he said even at the time, he thought this is just some sort of demon that these people conjured up. And it's playing games. That's why his wife saw that witch. But the little boy saw uh, a witch-type creature, too, but not when they were living there. See, he saw the same thing his mother saw when they had moved. Because before that, they moved here to Austin, and they were living in an apartment in South Austin. And he saw what he thought was a witch-looking hag-type creature that was, like, looking at him uh, from across the room. And then, like, floated toward him, and he was screaming, and he... 
like ended up in his bed or something. And he was like very wide awake and they were watching TV. Um, and at that point, I think he was like 12 or 13. He wasn't even a little kid anymore, really. Um, he was a young teenager or whatever, I think. Yeah, or he was 13 or 14. But, uh, you know, when he, and he said that when, what, what he, what he told his mom and dad were that when he, it started around that time when they were living at the apartment in South Austin, he started having, uh, terrors about this, uh, woman. The, the, and sometimes it would still be about that man, but it would be about this woman, but they weren't together. It was two, two different things. And that was when he was, uh, had just reached, uh, puberty. Like he started having these hag. Uh, and that's a very real phenomenon too, like especially with 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 guys. Um, I know one of my friends who, when he was when we were first hitting puberty, we were in school together. We were in middle school, and in the house he lived in uh, off of Tenth Street in Taylor. I told you this, Anthony and Tony too, probably. Um, it was haunted, and there was like this witch-looking creature, woman, whatever that would like roam around the house. And I was there a couple times when weird stuff would happen. And uh, my friend Clay had gone downstairs to get something and there was like the orange juice fell onto the ground and was pouring on all over the place. And there was this hag looking woman with, with gross looking feet standing there looking. At, he looked up and he saw her as he was trying to clean it up. Um, and we were all like 13 years old. I think uh, the oldest one of us, uh, I think it was 14 so, I mean, it was like, you know, weird stuff like that. Like you see, I saw the hag when I was like 11 going on 12 or, yeah, I think I was almost 12. And your mom, Anthony, woke me up. Yeah. Well, she came in there to wake me up. I was already awake, but she had came in there to wake me up and I was screaming and freaking out, flipping around in my bed. Um, so it's a very common thing for this hag to appear to boys going through that at that time in their life, you know. So, but he was a young you know, boy going into, you know, whatever, his teenage years. And that may or may not have had anything to do with this, or he may have picked up an attachment. I would think that, that Dustin's experience with it was more on the fringe compared to like what this child and his mother were going through because Dustin was gone like working. Um, so he can only tell me so much, but his friend had a little more of an inside scoop on it because it was happening predominantly to his wife and his, his stepson, which he adopted, um, his son. Um, you know, and so when you compare Victor's experience, I think Victor maybe hit the nail on the head. There was some sort of demonic entity. But I don't think that it was as cut and dry as like, okay, it was just a demon pretending to be these different things. I think they were, they're, it's very possible for there to be more than one thing going on at a time. And we've seen that before when we've investigated hauntings and things like that. Uh, there was no uh, Bigfoot seen on this property and there was no UFOs. But, uh, you know. Any like orbs or anything like that? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that was one thing that they said that every time they would go out to uh, burn the trash, that all of them, including their friend that actually lived there, their friend Gary actually ended up living with them uh, temporarily for a couple of months at one point, And then he left for about a month and then he came back for another month. Um, and he was terrified in there. Um, and Gary was there alone one day, uh, with, uh, Victor and they heard like banging on the doors and the walls and everything. Uh, at that time, Dustin was in town working and, uh, Victor's, uh, girlfriend was in town dropping off the little girls that they had babysat and which was the little boy's little cousins, or whatever, his sister's kids. And she was at her mother's. 
And so it was just Victor and and this kid, this guy Gary, and they heard all this banging and stuff. And when they looked out, they saw an orb like zipping around the trailer. And it was going really fast. It was like going faster and faster. And they would just see it. And they would try to take a, a picture of it. You know, all they had were like these disposable cameras. They couldn't. And then when they went out in the backyard, every time they'd burn trash, they would see this glowing ball that would be bouncing around. And it was like, not every time, but quite a bit in the backfield back there. And it was a green ball or orb. Now, the people that lived back there, they didn't even speak English. They were from Mexico. And they actually um, came walking onto their property one time with guns. And they were the, the one that could speak English. Um, didn't live there was their, their, their cousin or whatever said that they had seen a hairy creature, um, running through their property and they were looking for it because it carried off one of their dachshunds and they claimed that they saw a green light that would float around bouncing around behind their, their house, like all the time. And so I don't know. The whole area seemed to be like a hotbed of activity, which I think, in my opinion, from what I was told by everybody involved, and we've done this before, we've all, we're have all we veterans of investigating this kind of weird stuff. We've talked to people and we've interviewed people and we've interviewed whole families. Um, doing your due diligence, you talk to as many people as you can and you try to come to a conclusion. Well, if I have to come to a conclusion on this one, I would say that this property is already inhabited by uh, some sort of evil spirits and these people, these fools that, that played with this black dark magic, they opened doorways that they themselves probably couldn't close because one of them <clears throat> within like two weeks of moving out of that place, she died in a flaming car wreck um, and on highway 290. So, you know, when you look at the situation and then the other one, there was, there were two guys and two girls that stayed there, uh, one of them, the other one, he ended up going to prison for armed robbery, and then another one ended up killing himself. Uh, and I don't know what happened to the other female, but that that's you know really crazy. You know when you when you when you stop and you listen to the history of that. Now, do you remember, guys, when we went out to that that haunted house? Um, not an actual haunted house, but where, that, right, that the, the Halloween one. Yeah, the Halloween right. one. Yeah, um, where those Cajuns beat us with gambling. Um, I'm not going to get into that. They Rochambeau'd us. Uh, anyway, when, when you look at that, th th there was a guy that was a performer there. Do you remember the guy that could do the nails and all that stuff? And we, me and him were sitting there talking. He's a pretty friendly guy. And he had performed in New Orleans, you know, and he was a pretty cool guy. But he said that they chose that spot um, and it had history. There was already an old house there. And he said that history was that it was actually haunted, that, that, that those woods out there were said to be, you know, like people had seen werewolves and Bigfoot and all kinds of stuff in those woods. And he himself had claimed to have seen a, a once seen a vampire in New Orleans. And I thought it was interesting. We were all sitting there eating and he was talking to me about all this stuff. And uh, Loki was there and we were all, and, and I think Scorpion and I think Diablo was there too, wasn't he? And Zane. Yeah. We were all together, all of us. Yeah, yeah, we were all there. And uh, so we were all talking uh, with this gentleman and, and, and he was telling us a bunch of weird stuff that had gone on and, and and when they were setting up the first time they were out there he had said that there was some weird stuff that had happened and that they had seen green and orange orbs bouncing around in the woods um doesn't surprise me because that's that's th that right there is probably about 15 miles from it i think maybe from there or maybe 20 about 15 to 20 miles from it that's not far 
but that whole corridor is, has been uh, an area of, of weird activity. People have seen UFOs up and down that area for years. And, you know, when you talk about the Lost Pines, I mean, lots of stories of werewolves and, and Bigfoot. When I went to, to camp, at church camp as a kid, um, there was all these stories of Bigfoot supposedly – uh, chasing kids and carrying them off and stuff. There was this story that everybody talked about this one kid named Kenny, um, which I think it was just a, it was a myth. It wasn't real. The Kenny, this was back in the eighties. So they said this happened back in the sixties, you know, so you couldn't verify it, you know, but they said that this kid had gone out into the woods and gotten lost. And then this werewolf was seen, you know, walking into the camp, you know, eating Kenny, you know, and everybody was scared and then uh, there were stories that Bigfoot had gone into the camp and abducted one of the girls, you know. Um, but you're in the Lost Pines, and that whole area had always been known as being haunted. And, of course, people would see what they call wood spirits, uh, which are basically like orbs, you know. And when I was a kid, I don't remember seeing this, um, but my sister claims that she saw – um, when she was with some friends that they saw some, some weird looking glowing ball that came toward them and that she took, took off, turned around and ran. And so she didn't really see it, but they were screaming that they saw this ball of light coming toward them and that it had come down from the sky above the, the trees. Now, you know, those pines are really tall, you know? Um, so I, I don't know what, what to make of that. I don't know if that's to be believed, but if if you really look at that area though dude it has a strong paranormal connection to it so if you if one were so inclined to go out there and start playing around and opening doorways something's going to walk through it because you're only a hop skip and a jump from like we said a right angle from a right angle yeah um that's my take on it i don't know if that's correct you know um here's another thing that happened there were there was on more than one occasion a glowing set of eyes that was seen around the trailer that would sometimes be seen like moving around in the darkness and all you could see were the eyes um glowing white um you couldn't really make out any kind of color other than white and that's what i was told by the people that live there um but you know that's their story you know and and I, it's a pretty horrific one Eventually, they moved out. They did finish their lease. They stayed there, amazingly, for a year, um, which kudos to them for making it for an entire yeah. year. Uh, they ultimately uh, left two weeks before the lease was up. <laughs> they paid their month's rent, and they left a bunch of their stuff there because in the middle of the night, um, a poltergeist activity had kind of started. It ramped up, and it started like throwing – things around the house and it was getting kind of dicey. And so they had enough. They had had enough. Yeah. And eventually their dog got really sick and, um, it was like something had picked it up and shook it and threw it, threw it across the room. And, uh, they were just done. I mean, they had, uh, a friend of theirs that had their preacher from their church come and he gave them the advice that they should just vacate the premises, that it was a super strong demonic infestation. Um, was it? I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, I I know the location, sort of, you know, kind of where, where that's at. And it's not far from a place where I did actually get a Bigfoot report of somebody seeing a Bigfoot running through a field um, and, and, you know, basically uh, it was like eight foot tall, just giant classic Bigfoot, you know, 
story and it was seen by three people. So it was pretty credible. But if, you know, if those stories are to be believed, uh, like I said, there's already something there and then you go and you exacerbate it by conjuring. Yeah. So it's a classic story to me of haunted house. I mean, you know, the funny thing too is people, people act, people act like a, a camper can't be haunted or a trailer can't be haunted. It's like, dude, these things infest bathrooms. If you read yeah, the Quran, it even be. says like, they believe that the jinn actually will hang out in bathrooms, you know? Yeah. Um, but it says that in the Bible, you know, the unclean spirits, I mean, they're everywhere. You know, you can't get away from it. Um, all you can do is be protect, you protect yourself and, you know, be guarded by, you know, Christ. That's what I truly believe, you know, and, and, and people may argue and say they don't believe in God or they don't believe in this. They don't believe in that. Well, when something smacks you in the face, it's there. You're going to believe. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know what it takes for people to stop playing with things that they don't understand and they can't possibly fathom, you know. Well, if you're going to open doorways, you should figure out how to close them. I mean, that should be one of your go-to things to figure out first before you try to open anything. It's like, can I close this? People don't think that far ahead, though. It it always seems like there it's easier to open than to close. Well, obviously, they want <laughs> it to be never as easy as possible yeah. to open. I think uh, the spiritual energy of certain places is like it's like this pool of gasoline, and if you hang out near it, it's not going to be the most pleasant place to be. But um, it's not going to be a fiery, blazing, chaotic uh, place to be either. But the moment you bring a single spark, you ignite it. It's going to be in the same way that it's easier to open up these doorways and then it's to close them. It's easier to ignite a pull that pool of gasoline than it is to put it out. Put it out. And, and I think that there are areas where the veil is thin. And I think what happens is, um, you know, if you go back and you, you, you listen to some of the past episodes, like the ones we did with Patrick Meekin, uh, me and Barton, you know, we, we interviewed him uh, up in Amish country in Ohio. And you look at what was going on with that property. I mean, the natives, before anybody was there, knew that that area was bad. Um, just like the areas of Kentucky where Barton has talked about the natives. Like, you know, and here in areas where the Comanches wouldn't go. You know, they avoided those places. Yeah, when the uh, Comanches, of all people, don't go somewhere, that, that that should tell you something. They were pretty brave. And if they if they said, hey, don't go there— you know, well, I'll, I'll just go hang, bang on, build a cabin there. And, and I think that's probably, you know, uh, it's a pretty good assumption to make that it's probably a bad place. Um, and I think these places that have this this thin uh, veil or whatever um, that's easily punctured, people that, that, that are practicing this dark arts, they think that they can control it or they can have some sort of power um, it, it, you don't, all it does is use you as a conduit well, and that's then it the, bridges that. That's the, the illusion is that the power that you think that it's giving you power. No, it's lending you power to feed on you mm -hmm. to control you. Parasitically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's giving you what you desire, quotation marks, because what you, it knows that by giving you that you're just going to want more. It's never going to be enough. And then by giving you more and more, it's able to take more and more from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what ultimately happens, you're, you're, you're making a deal with, uh, with pure evil. And what, what ultimately happens is you pay the price. But it doesn't just affect you. It affects people down the line. And I believe all those people that are affected goes onto your karma. 
I believe that it's all, it's going to be put upon you. Whatever suffering you unleash on that is going to be on you. It's your karma, your suffering is going to, you're going to have to pay it back. Well, I mean, especially, I mean, just unleashing something like that, it it does so much harm and it's just a 100% a selfish act that you can't, you know, just push it under, like, oh, I had nothing to do with that. It's like, no, you let this loose. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility no matter what. Like, even if you have no, even if you never see it again after your first encounter, the fact that you even had any doing of making it come to be. Anything to do with initially, yeah. yeah. yeah, You're you're culpable. Yeah, yeah, you you can't escape it either. That's right. It's your karma. And, And the thing is, you know, those those things are never meant to be on the same field with us. I mean, you know, th- and, and those things would probably be there. And like Anthony said, but as long as you don't light the spark, you know, I've been in places where I felt so uneasy that all it would take is a sneeze to unbalance everything and unleash something. And I, I've just gotten the heck out of there. I'm just like, I feel terrible in this place. I don't like it. I don't want to be around it. Um, there was a building that me and Scorpion worked at that, thank God, we, we, we never, we weren't in it very long. We just had to go up in there to use the bathroom and go back out. I think Scorpion ended up working two shifts in there and he was so freaked out that, uh, it was a 12 hour shifts that my shift overlapped, uh, his shift overlapped mine, I guess. And so I would go and sit with him for the last four hours just because I knew how scary that building was. And there was something in there and we would see this shadowy looking thing that looked like a, f- a freaking woman, like walking around. It was like an atrium and you could look up and see it and it, it would be gone. It would move around real quick. And I just, it was terrifying. And the parking attendants and the other guards knew that it was there and they were, they were scared in that building. So I didn't blame him for being freaked out. And, you know, other than the the church of the forgotten, which is in one of our episodes we did, and it ended up subsequently on television too. Um, we did not, that was probably the, the, the most afraid I'd ever seen Scorpion. I think the second was that building. Um, and up to that point, I guess that building was the scaredest, uh, the f- most afraid I've ever seen him until the thing happened with the church of the forgotten. Um, but I, I just look at this, uh, case here, you know, um, it's just chalk it up to another case of people, um, doing something they shouldn't have been doing. Obviously it's always like that, man. And every time you hear a story at the very like source of it, it's always just someone intruding on a situation that they don't understand. And they're willingly putting themselves forth into danger. Well, the the only and I'll leave you with this. The only thing that makes me think anything different is that maybe there could have been a situation where, like Anthony said, let's take for example the hellhound, as he called it, or a type of hound, hand, devil hound, whatever, devil wolf, whatever. Say it did bite somebody, and that person's spirit was trapped there, and then they opened a doorway to that. Now that is a possibility that something did happen there. Before that, I'm not saying it did, but I'm saying that's a very, that's a possibility because, you know, we here at Paranormal Roundtable have heard and seen so much weird stuff and, and had and fielded so many cases that you, uh, you'll, you'll start to think, okay, this is just too weird. You know, it's just, this is too weird. No, it's not. Because if you look at everything we've, we've uncovered and discovered and been through and all the guests we've had and all the people we've interviewed and all the stories we've been told, um, you know, to me, anything's possible. 
I mean, there's a saying, truth is far stranger than, than fiction. Yeah. You know. Well, anyways, guys, you, you draw your own conclusions. Uh, we gave you the story. You, you decide what you think it is. Um, and it's unfortunate things like this happen to people, but, uh, um, it, it is, uh, it is what it is. So for everybody here at Paranormal Roundtable, thank you for listening. Tune in next week and good night. <laughs>